Dear listeners, this is this is going to be a, a doozy of an episode. I'm, I'm not even going to put title music. I'm not going to... Well, I might put ending music in. Maybe. We'll see. It is currently 3.46 a.m. Uh, on a work night. Uh, I mean, I don't work till 1.30 p.m., so, like, it's fine. Um, I was just sitting down about 20, 30 minutes ago to actually get the episode edited, and Audacity went and just kind of ate my fucking file. Um, I don't really know what happened. Audacity just crashed, and then poof, the file was gone. Uh, so... I have made the executive decision that because, frankly speaking, both of these episodes, these filler episodes, are quite dog shit, I don't think either Sam or I want to really re-record the episode we just did. Um, so what's going to happen here is I'm going to just do the episode myself. Uh, this is going to be an interesting turn of events. It's not going to be flashy filled with jokes. Like, maybe I'll make one, but it's me. Of course, I'm going to probably make a fucking joke, but I'm pretty low energy. It's going to be chill. I'm just going to recap the episodes. It's probably going to be a short one. But here we go. This is It'll Wash Out, a now-solo Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Cinna, and today we've got just two baffling episodes, frankly. Um, we're we're going to go ahead and start with episode 136, which is Hueco Mundo Civil War, Ulkiora's Death. After some brief recap... We begin the episode in Hueco Mundo as Alona Ronkar walks through a hallway and through the door, leading to Aizen's throne and the Hogyoku as well. He prepares to go for it, but as he reaches for it, Ulhiora enters the room and asks what he's doing. We cut to Urahara shop, where Urahara and Tessai are leaving to stock up with Chad. Urahara and Tessai tell Jinta and Uruu to take care of themselves and the shop while they're gone. And Renji tells them to hurry and bring Chad back for more training soon. The trio leaves, and Liren notes that while Urahara claims to be bringing Chad to help him unwind, he actually plans on having him carry a bunch of stuff, which is pretty in character for Urahara, like we all know this guy. Jinta says something among the lines of how much are they buying, we don't sell much here, which prompts Tessai's sixth sense as he runs back to the boy and just grabs him by the shoulders? with like a really threatening tone in his voice which just kind of it, it's a one-off goof it it's it's hard to find it that funny because it's really unclear what exactly they were going for here whether it was don't talk about the shop that way you know don't be disrespectful but you know it, it, it was in fact a joke back in Hueco Mundo Okiora tells the Arankar, Patras, that he should not enter this area without Aizen's permission. Patras says he doesn't like how Okiora and the other Espada are always going on and on about Lord Aizen. He doesn't understand why they are subservient to a Soul Reaper 
and they should be eating souls and killing. He flashes towards Ulkiora and brings up the experiments Aizen did on Hollows to make a Ronkar. And Ulkiora says, yeah, of fucking course I know about it. We all do. Patra says that since Aizen got here, Hueco Mundo has changed, man. And, well, he has no intentions of following a Soul Reaper. Instead, he wonders why not take the Hogyoku and control the world. Oki tells him not to bother. If Patras can't even become an Espada, what does he think he can do? Two more Arankar show up and just kind of fucking gut Okiora basically. Like, they, they both stab him and catch him off guard, and supposedly they kill him. Patras says the Espada sure have fallen, and his subordinates claim it was truly easy to take him out. Patras says he's going to become king and make Aizen regret making the Arankar so powerful as he takes the Hogyoku. This whole beginning section is something like I personally like in the episode. Like, I think it's got a good setup, and I I think Patras is the least interesting villain possible, uh, but it's just because of the way the rest of the episodes go. Um, but, like, it is at least interesting that he actually wants to stand up to Aizen for, I don't know, experimenting on the Hollows. Like, it, it makes sense. Back at the shop, Renji lays down and Uruu asks him to move so she can clean. He says he doesn't know what to do with all this. He says he doesn't know what to do with all this free time, and Jinta tells him to go train as Ururu continues to need him to move for cleaning purposes. It's like a running gag that happens like three times, and it just gets progressively funnier as you go through it. Jinta baits him into an argument, and the two do argue as the Mod Souls sit on the roof and talk about Ichigo and how much they miss him. They kind of imply that Liren has a crush on Ichigo, which is really weird, but suddenly an intense spiritual pressure hits as a door opens with Patras and his subordinates arriving in Karakura Town. A warning goes out to Hitsugaya squad, and the captain wastes no time in requesting Gintei Kaijo. He's told the procedures have been simplified, and he should get permission immediately. The captain contacts the other Reapers, who all rush to the field, and Patras' subordinates ask what to do. He instructs them to take care of the Reapers, while Patras himself attends to the matter of finding someone who knows how to use the Hogyoku. Sooner or later, those from Los Noches will come for them, so they need to act quickly. Hitsugaya's squad confronts the two subordinates, with Renji on the way, and the red-haired Arankar. Menace is his name. Uh, it's spelled M-E- N-I-S, and I like to call him Menace Vinti, just because he's, you know, he's a small, he's a small guy. Uh, he immediately, without even waiting, just releases his Zanpakuto, and he gains, like, weird pointy bone arms. The other, Aldegore, exclaims they don't need to take the group seriously, but they don't really have time to deal with them, so he too just unleashes his blade. Cohen walks through the streets being pretty horny, as usual, and he like points to the sky like, oh, is there a girl over there? And Patras appears and takes notice of the stuffed animal, immediately grabbing him. On the battlefield itself, 
Hitsugaya and Rangiku fight Menace, while Ikaku and Yumichika, well, really just Ikaku, handle all the gore. Ikaku claims to be able to handle this himself, so Yumichika just kind of stands on the sidelines looking fabulous. Aldegore seems to have things handled on the armor front, with Ikaku's attacks not really doing all that much. Renji runs into Kone, who is hung up on a lamppost now, and then Renji's like, pull yourself together, man, and then he asks where the Aronkar went. Uh, he finds out that obviously the Aronkar is the one that, you know, beat the fuck out of Kone, which well deserved, but Patras now shows up at Urahara shop with Jinta and Ururu telling him to back off, as the Mod Souls kind of, you know, discuss how they can't really do anything in their stuffed animal form, so they make a hasty retreat. Patra says he knows someone here, knows how to use the Hogyoku, and Renji arrives, telling him that Urahara isn't here. He introduces himself to Patras, who only cares about the whereabouts of Urahara. When Renji says he's out, Patras says he'll just have to wait. Of course, that's not something Renji's about to let happen, so Patras prepares to fight. Patras tells him the shop will be destroyed if they fight here, but Renji takes this as incentive to finish the fight quickly. Jinta tells Ururu that they need to fight too, and then the Monsouls arrive in their Gigai. They too want to fight. Renji and Patras exchange blows, with Patras unsheathing his blade once, knocking Renji to the ground. He claims to have 20 levels to his sword skill, with what he just did being level 1. A gesture of respect. But if Renji can't keep up with that, he has no chance. Renji claims to have just let his guard down a bit too much, which Patra scoffs at. He unleashes the same move again, but this time, Noba teleports Renji away. The group tells Patras to back off, and Kuroda says it's a freeloader's duty to defend the household. I, I almost slipped into like a Soul Calibur voice there for a second, and you know, I think that's just really telling of my mind state right now. It's a little mushy. The group begins clowning on Patras, fairly easily putting him into a barrier and preparing for a team attack, but Patras breaks out, tossing Leering. The group seems a bit outmatched by Patras' zoning capabilities of just flinging the same fireball move over and over and over, but not Renji. Renji's totally ready for this. Patras now begins to unleash level 2, which turns out to be basically exactly the same move as level 1, just called level 2. He seems to be convinced this is more powerful. Ulkiora arrives in Karakura Town and looks at the crater where he and Yami previously landed, and then the episode just ends. Now you may be wondering, how is Ulkiora alive? Why did he die in a filler episode and then come back immediately? Well, let me tell you, all your answer, all your questions are answered in episode 137, Battle of Bad Faith, Aizen's Trap. Now, this, this one's going to be... A little different just because I'm, I'm not the one who wrote the notes for this episode that was Sam so rather than me just reading off the summary I wrote uh, I'm just going to be looking at the wiki and paraphrasing as best I can so this is gonna be a mess but this is what you get this is what happens when audacity decides it wants to be a bastard um, this episode is filled with spite 
I'm sorry. So, in this episode, we immediately find out how the fuck Ulkiwara died and then did not actually die. Uh, as it's revealed that dun dun dun, Aizen's whole, like, Zanpakuto deal, which I had totally forgotten about, uh, you know, he can make illusions happen, basically. Uh, the Ulkiora we saw die was just an illusion. He's just kind of fucking with these Arankar because they're weak, and as they are weak, he can use them as a distraction to go fuck off into, uh, to just go fuck off into the human world while he sends Ulkiora out on a real mission. This, of course, confuses Gein, uh, who's just like, well, why not just do the thing? And Aizen's like, well, that wouldn't be fun, would it? Meanwhile, at nighttime in Karakura Town, uh, Patras and Renji continue to fight. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fighting this episode, I'm gonna be honest. Like, there's not all that much going on. Uh, there's a lot of Renji fighting and failing to fight Patras. There's a lot of Ururu and Jinta deciding to fight as well, and the Mod Souls helping out. And honestly, it's not going to be interesting if I just read off the wiki. It's not an interesting episode. It's mostly just fights. Uh, you get roughly, like, maybe five seconds of the other two Arankar fights that are going on, between, like, Hitsugaya, uh, Rangiku, and, uh, fucking Menace, and maybe, like, 0.2 seconds of the Ikaku fight, uh, but, alas, that's all you need, because now Patras is like, clearly, I have to outmatch you. And he decides that he's going to use his level 10 on Renji, which means he's going to unleash his whole fucking, uh, he's going to unleash his blade. I'm so tired. I'm sorry. I'm stumbling over words. Everything is a mess. It's fine. I'm calm. Everything is good. Bleach exists. Uh, one thing. I, I do want to bring back into this episode is that Sam and I really shat on how bad Patras looks. He's got like this really shitty pencil mustache, um, and he just looks like he would really smugly own a biplane, and we made a lot of jokes about that, and it was very funny. And you're not going to get any of that, and I'm sorry for that, because you could have laughed at the funny biplane jokes. But alas, Patras does decide to unleash his Zanpakuto, and he looks even more shitty in this form. He He's just really dumb looking. Um, the Mod Souls all, you know, like, get up from the wreckage of the fight, and uh, at some point in the fight, uh, they do discover that... Patras does in fact have a weakness, which is that uh, he can only attack by charging his blade by reinserting it into the sheath, like the scabbard. Um, that's how he gains the energy to like unleash his big zoning attacks. Uh, so if they just 
damage the sheath or scabbard or whatever, then they can take care of it. Uh, at some point during the fight, uh, we get a cut to like Urahara and like the whole group there uh, as Jinta and Ururu, who I'm just now realizing I don't think they fought. I'm actually just kind of skimming the Wikipedia page at this point. This is terrible radio. Um, they, they find Urahara and they start leading him back to the shop. Uh, but it is very funny because they run into Ulkiora, who just kind of says, I don't want to fucking fight you, and just disappears. Um, we also get, uh, equally funny, just fucking both Menace and Aldegore just showing up at the fight between Renji and Patras and going, bruh, we fucked up. And then just both of them dying on the spot. It is incredibly good. Uh, it, like, if you're watching Bleach, or if you haven't watched these episodes, please just boot up episode 137. It, it's, like, probably, like, halfway or two-thirds of the way through this episode when just Menace and Aldegore just show up and immediately die. It, it is comedy gold. Uh, I don't think it was intended to be funny, but it is. Um, so the fights continue. Uh, oh, I see here, skimming through this, that this is in fact when they figure out, oh yeah, no, his scabbard is the, the key to everything. Um, so, of course, the battle rages, as Great Gundam Project would say, the battle rages. And eventually they do defeat Patras. Uh, it is revealed that the Hogyoku that Patras stole was actually a fake, as Aizen would never let, you know, an Iran card take the real one. This was all part of his master plan. Uh, the one important note of this episode that is leading into the stuff that is non-filler is that it is revealed that Okiwara's mission was to inspect the sites where Orihime was, um, specifically where Orihime had essentially like healed Chad previously. Uh, so this allows Okiwara to get some idea of her abilities, uh, which he insists will be useful for Aizen. Uh, Okiwara theorizes that she's probably not in the human world though, which is interesting. Uh, and basically just leaves after Aizen's like, good job. Uh, the post credits bits, which is weird that I'm doing them, are mostly like revolving around uh, Ichigo going to a convenience store and for some reason being told to wear a cat mask. It, he plays like the straight man in it a good bit with like Shinji and Hiori, but uh, the other bit is mainly that Karin notices him because she's shopping at the same store and he just pretends not to be Ichigo. These are also worth watching. I highly recommend these bits. I'm not doing them justice. I'm tired. It is 4.08 a.m. I have been talking to myself for roughly 20-30 minutes and I'm gonna have to edit this down after that just to make sure it's not completely, you know, deranged, but alas, this is what I deal with when Audacity eats my recording. 
at least this is not the time I decide to just re-record my audio alongside Sam's audio, because although that was entertaining, uh, that did take like straight up four or five hours of work, and I was constantly, constantly re-recording myself. It, I, I still think that's one of my favorite memories of the show, just Sam and I getting on to record and then me flipping a coin to decide whether we would actually record the episode again together or if I would just edit my own new audio in. And I still think that episode came out all right. Like, definitely not our best work, but it could have been a lot worse. Um, This is basically all I have to say. We have some fun ideas for the future of this show. Uh, I don't know if they are going to come to fruition, but next week we are returning to real actual fucking Bleach, which is to say it is no longer going to be filler for a little bit. We are actually getting back into the meat of things. Following manga canon, as much as the anime allows, we will obviously be covering manga differences as well. It's, it's going to be a good time. Stick around. I promise we won't lose every episode. I, I can see Audacity is probably going to try and, you know, make me a liar, but that's what you get when you work with Audacity. I, I'm going to have to find a new fucking program because this can't keep happening. It, I, I really don't want it to happen again. Uh, I am going to go edit this episode now. It's very short, like I said, but I hope this was at least listenable and that you enjoyed my very tired and quieter tones than usual. Uh, I'm sorry there aren't that many big goofs this time. There's no, you know, banter between Sam and I. Uh, which is a shame because we actually, I, I'm, I'm keeping on talking because why not? It's a shame because we actually, uh, this week did the thing that we realized we probably should have been doing again for a while, which is that we had made a bit once that we were holding the chaos back. And then I just, as editor, never put the chaos back into the show. We literally just sat there and talked for like 20 minutes before even getting into the episodes, and it was great. I had a wonderful time doing that, and I'm very sad you won't get to hear that. That being said, I am actually closing this episode now. I've said that like three times. It's happening now. You can find the show on Twitter at BleachCast, and you can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore Pause. You can also find Sam on Twitter at SSBSLJ, and you know, for him and for me, just stay cool chads.